to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am in my head on a slow-moving boat through a greenhouse decorated with Christmas lights, which would be living with the land at Epcot. I'm recording this on Sunday night. My pal Brooke McDonald just posted a video of her nighttime ride through the Epcot attraction, and it's just a glorious little moment of seasonal zen that I'm just going to check into in my mind whenever I feel like it. You know how they say it lives in there rent-free? In my head, I have a free annual pass to that one moment on the ride that I will not experience this holiday season, but can enjoy from afar anytime I close my eyes and think about it. As you can probably tell, I took a full two days off this week, people! Two days! And I am craving more vacation. It was thrilling. To be fully upfront and honest with you, I have not had an actual weekend since Very Amusing began. Oops! (laughs) And I spent one full day this week lying on the couch. Just the full day, lying down, horizontal, did not move, ignored every alert on my Apple Watch, didn't matter, didn't care, because I was watching all of the new Saved by the Bell reboot, I was watching Happiest Season, I was watching Super Intelligence, which is the only one I don't recommend. It was this movie, I think, on HBO Max. It was not good. Uh, But, ooh, I also watched The Flight Attendant, which was fabulous. Wow, I, I really was not kidding when I said I I didn't stand up for one full day. But I took two days off, and the other day, I cleaned and organized my entire closet. And as you can probably infer from (laughs) my personality, I own a lot of stuff. A lot of earrings, a lot of clothes, a lot of teeny tiny little bags to put inside little bigger zippy bags, put inside bigger zippy bags when I travel. I got a lot of stuff. And every single thing went in a little box that I ordered ages ago from the container store that has been just sitting in my house. And now nothing is in a deep, dark, dusty corner. It's phenomenal. It's all in like this right little place where it's supposed to be. The only downfall is that I woke up this morning sounding like this and being completely stuffed up because I'm extremely allergic to dust. Silly me thought vacuuming it up meant it went away, but it just put me in the middle of the dust cloud, and now I sound awful. So I apologize if I appear more melancholy than usual. It's just my body rejecting my surroundings. Beyond that, I'm just recovering from the whirlwind of this past holiday week. And no, I'm not talking about Thanksgiving, which I fully ignored. Just shoved my head right in the sand and ignored it. Didn't act like it was happening. I had fish. No turkey for me. What's Thanksgiving? Not this year. I was fully focused on the shopping bonanza this weekend. I mean, I really didn't need anything, and I didn't even really buy that much, but I did get some candles from PF Candle Co., which is based out of LA. I got some discount workout clothes from Sweaty Betty, which I wear every single day now, because truly the last thing I need are pants with a button fly and a reason not to stand up every few hours. But the thing I'm most excited about, oh, I got some earrings from Small Shops, which uh, I'll post on Instagram when I get them. But anyway, I also bought Fancy Toothpaste. It's by Marvis, and it's wonderful. And I got the licorice flavor, because frankly, we're rounding out 2020, and if my body can't travel somewhere exciting, at least my mouth can. That sounds gross when you say it out loud. 
Also, again, I know women apologizing, women's voices on podcasts. These are all themes of things that we hate and we don't want to do. We don't want people to criticize women's voices anymore. And we don't want women to apologize for a bunch of stuff that isn't their fault. But I got to tell you, I'm never cleaning again because my joy range, my vocal range to show how truly enthusiastic I am has been officially muted. I can't go higher than this. I can't. And it's all because I cleaned. If you haven't yet noticed the title of this episode, well, (laughs) welcome to a delightfully unhinged holiday episode for you and yours. I have a lot to say and I want to get into it. So let's toss it to the news and then buckle up, baby, because we're celebrating Shrek-sember. The biggest news of the week came from Universal Studios Japan's Super Nintendo World, which released details and an opening date of February 4th, 2021. Here in this new land, guests will be completely immersed in a true real-life video game with coins, fire piranha plants, Goombas, and so much more. Shockingly, the first real in-park photo that was released looks like a rendering. It looks animated, and it's so hard to fathom that this place will very, very soon have actual people standing in it. Hong Kong Disneyland is closing again. Currently, Hong Kong Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, and Disneyland Resort here in California are still closed. The resorts in Florida, Shanghai, and Tokyo, however, remain open. Hong Kong, which is shuttering for a third time, will remain closed indefinitely. Disneyland Paris, which hoping to open for the holiday season, will now have its closure extended through mid-February. And Disneyland, well... Nobody knows. Just before I sat down to record this, news broke that Disneyland Resort will furlough an additional 1,800 employees. And that's in addition to the additional 4,000 Disney employees that will be laid off that was just announced, which comes on top of the 28,000 laid off this year. It's just too much. It's too much. These numbers are huge and they are so upsetting. I want to add that Other resorts are doing massive layoffs and furloughs as well, but the numbers coming through aren't as staggering. Remember, Walt Disney World Resort is America's largest single-site employer, something that Governor Ron DeSantis does not know, because he said this week that the Walt Disney Company's layoffs were mostly out of the California resort. 18,000 Disney World employees were let go, and he just seemingly had no idea. Very cool. Obviously not very cool. It's extremely upsetting, and I ranted about it online, and I, I don't like it. It's a complete erasure of the horrible experience many, many, many of these people have been going through, and my heart goes out to all of you, and I encourage you to donate to Second Harvest Food Bank and Cast Member Pantry to help those people out. Now, back to news. Disney gave a peek into Remy's Ratatouille Adventure this week, and people on Twitter are are very split about this. There's definitely a camp that are just kind of shouting into the abyss that, yeah, it's a dupe of the ride in Paris. Why would people be excited? And then there's other people like me who are frankly excited to have another thing to do in Epcot. Personally, I'm also really excited that it gives us more of the France Pavilion to enjoy, since I kind of love being in that fake theme parky version of France as an American. I find it very charming, okay? I do. Epcot International Festival of the Holidays has begun, but I do have a bit of more pressing news over at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. I have been unable to gather my thoughts about this 
publicly, but there are some photos on Blog Mickey of the construction happening in front of the hotel, and they are very bleak. I know Disney has said that they are going to be enhancing it and improving it and things will be great and it's not going to be gone forever, but the photos of just the nothingness outside the entrance are deeply stressful to me. I know, I know, that's how construction works. I just need to sit tight. But it really had me rattled. To end on a high note, Brooke McDonald, a friend and colleague, posted some movement of electrical water pageant floats on Seven Seas Lagoon, which means it could be returning soon. And I hope because it's just a a taste of how Disney World used to be. So with that, buckle up because uh, we have quite the episode coming your way. Stick around. I hope you like it. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. to the Shrek-sember celebration. Now, before your natural instincts take over and you're like, um, excuse me, ma'am, you're not teaching us about the way they transfer character likeness to onboard ride experiences? Here's the thing. We've got a lot of time before things are back to normal. It's not fun to say out loud, but it is deeply true. And there is no earth-shattering news happening on the theme park front right now. Will we have an episode on Remy's Ratatouille Adventure or the Velocicoaster in the next six months? Maybe. But who knows? We had a handful of other episodes slated for the end of the season. But frankly, we have time. So yeah, I pushed some reported stories to the second season so we could just have some fun. Some unhinged, slightly unacceptable, weird as heck, fun. Now, if this is upsetting, I get it. But this podcast takes an unbelievable amount of time. Not even just the reporting, the calls, the recording, the editing, the interviews. It's all a lot. And I have been down to the wire on a few, and I frankly just need more lead time, so much lead time, to get the next batch of episodes I want to get out early next year. So do not worry, your precious ride deep dives and how things work, explorations, and mini mystery solving will still happen. I'm just exhausted, (laughs) and I want to make this holiday season memorable one way or another. I mean, I was doing episodes with four interviews. It was two hours long. Why did I do this to myself? So I'm recalibrating in the way I know how. By diving as deep into Shrek as a wintertime hero as I possibly can. Is this going to be as questionably received as Cats the Movie Musical? Or when they just recast that little girl on American Housewife? I do not know. But if there ever was a time to throw out the podcast calendar and say, I'm going for it. It's right now. So don't worry, your little soon-to-be ogre-obsessed hearts. There is plenty more of the good reported stuff coming. But first, we're doing this. We've done stories. We've done secrets. And now, it's time for some shenanigans. So 
Let me tell you, if you were wondering when this podcast would be going off the rails, it would be today. I am an extrovert and I require a lot of social interaction to gain my energy. And having been cooped up inside a small series of rooms for nearly one calendar year is really starting to take a toll. 2020 has been a real dumpster fire of a year. That's a fact that cannot be disputed. But at least, you know, Christmas is just around the bend. And if you celebrate Christmas, I am honestly so happy for you. It's a wonderful holiday. It's beautiful. You wake up Christmas morning to presents. You leave cookies and milk out for Santa. Elves work in a cute little workshop making gifts. People make their houses more beautiful with fun lights and things. It's magic. It's true magic. And Hanukkah never stood a chance. As you know, I am Jewish. I am not particularly religious, but I hit the main notes. And there's not really a lot of us in the theme park community, so I tend to discuss it more loudly here, especially in what's to come next, because I think it's important to. So stick with me for just a minute. This won't be Hebrew School with Carly, I promise. But for this episode to work, I got to give it a little context. So what is Hanukkah? In a very basic sense, it's an eight-night celebration honoring the time a small group of poorly equipped Jews fended off a mighty army and reclaimed a temple. They only had enough oil to burn the candles for one night, but it lasted eight. Hence why we have eight nights of Hanukkah. Nowadays, besides Hanukkah being spelled a bunch of different ways for no good reason, we light candles every night, sing a little prayer song, fry potato latkes or jelly donuts and oil to honor the miracle from way back when, and that's about it. Hanukkah really just suffers from unfortunate timing. Christmas is a major religious holiday, and Hanukkah isn't irrelevant, but it's not one of the biggies. And we have some very cool Jewish holidays that deserve their day in the sun. Purim? It's basically petty Jewish Halloween. You dress up, you eat a triangular cookie shaped like a bad guy's hat, and you throw a party to torment him every year for thousands and thousands of years. Sukkot, get out of here. It's dining all fresco the holiday. You build a sukkah or a temporary structure outside your home, and you hang fruit from the ceiling. It's incredible. Contrast that with all of November and December's seasonal spectacles, and personally, I just tend to bow this one out. Hanukkah just ain't our strongest foot forward when it comes to wintertime jollies. At times, it can be frustrating when a menorah is shoved in an office corner somewhere to balance out the gloriously beautiful Christmas tree. But I get it. It is less important. Less of us celebrate it. And when you're opening one present a night for eight nights and it's coming from TJ Maxx and not Santa himself, it's just not as thrilling. I've grown used to just kind of shrinking around these two months. I try to get in on theme park holidays, joking that I celebrate American theme park Christmas. But at the end of the day, I don't. I am an other. And I think it's time I reclaim something to honor that maybe people who celebrate Christmas would want to honor too. And that is why I am celebrating Shrek-sember, our first annual month-long toast to our Jewish hero, Shrek. Now, if that caught you off guard, pull down your safety bar, secure your bags, and prepare for the next however long this podcast is. I'm sure there's a lot going through your head, including, did she just say Shrek was a Jewish hero? And first annual? And did she just say Jewish hero? So let me explain why. 
All month here on Very Amusing, we will be diving into all things Shrek. A Shrek celebration. A Shrek celebration. Nope, doesn't work as well. We're sticking with Shrek Sember. Throughout the month of December, we will be discussing the rides, the attractions, and the legacy of the big green man himself, solidifying once and for all our Hanukkah hero, the beloved star of films and theme park rides worldwide, Shrek, who is almost certainly Jewish. More on that soon. If you want to know why I'm skipping a whole week of in-depth theme park reporting and choosing this, it's because I need it. Sometimes even when we're represented beyond blue tinsel or non-denominational snowflake-shaped cookies, we're not represented. Sometimes you see something like a Lachaim booth at Epcot International Festival of the Holidays selling latkes that look like corn cakes topped with an ice cream scooper's worth of smoked salmon something we don't do as our representation for the season, and you realize we're out here with nothing to go on. Even the Sufkani Oat, which, by the way, oh my gosh, I appreciate Epcot using the actual name on the menu, is intended to be a fried donut filled with jelly, topped with powdered sugar, emblematic of the oil that should have lasted for one night and lasted eight, but in the parks, they just look like glazed munchkins. I truly appreciate when companies try. I really do, because most people don't. But after being in the theme park world for so long and having a sixth of the year dedicated to something I don't participate in, when a lovable green grump ready to be our own wintertime Grinch is just there and waiting, you have to claim what's yours. Many of you may not be as familiar with Shrek, so good thing we got all month. I'm just kidding. This will be fun even if I get texts the moment this drops to see if I'm okay. You see, Shrek is essentially Universal Theme Parks' Mickey Mouse. Stick with me, I'm going somewhere with this. While Mickey is our ubiquitous animated character who surrounds himself with iconic friends and is translated on a global platform, Shrek arguably does the same. He has plentiful meet and greets and attractions both in and outside theme parks globally. And let's not skip out on the fact that Mickey just got his first ride ever, like two seconds before the world shut down. So Shrek's been out here for a while in the theme park space, not getting the appreciation he deserves, which frankly puts him right in line with this podcast's fan favorite universe. We're not going to dive too deep into the filmography this week, because this is going to be an absolutely bonkers, delightfully unhinged look into Shrek's Jewish ties. It sounds ludicrous, but with a month and a possible lifetime of this coverage ahead, consider this week to be a lively exploration into the bean layer of our seven-layer dip, or the muck at the floor of the mud of Shrek's swamp. And yeah, I'm a reporter, so we got expert sources. I reported this like a real story. So come with me and my Hanukkah hero Shrek as we take the first in a few of this month's adventures to find out if he is, in fact, the theme park Hanukkah character we've hoped for all along. How did this whole Shrek is Jewish conversation even begin? With a mouse! Just kidding. Different source material. With Shrek! Exclamation point. An illustrated book by William Steig in 1990. Yes, the famed Mike Myers-helmed DreamWorks animation blockbuster hit began from a book. In it, Shrek the fire-breathing young ogre is like a 20-something who has overstayed their welcome, booted from his family home, and encouraged to go cause damage elsewhere throughout the kingdom. 
His mother was ugly and his father was ugly, but Shrek was uglier than the two of them put together, Steig writes. As the jolly green giant slogs down the road, flowers wilting and trees bending beside him to avoid his awful stench. He comes across a witch boiling a bat brew who tells him his fortune, that he'll encounter a donkey who, by saying the magic words apple strudel, will take him to a knight who he will conquer in a fight and wed a wonderful princess even uglier than he is. Shrek forges on, coming across a peasant scything or cutting down crops in a field of rye. This peasant, whom he calls a yokel, in old word referring to kind of naive country folk, quickly faints upon seeing Shrek warm a platter of cold pheasant, the peasant's dinner, with his eyes. Now, Shrek is much more fashionable in the original version, and I cannot stress this enough. His wardrobe is that of a Miss Frizzle-style dream, donning striped long johns layered beneath a David Hockney pool-esque purple tunic. It's a look he pulls off while trotting through the forest, seemingly happy-go-lucky, as other people and animals flee from him. And I'm here for it. But even more notably, Shrek looks happy. Cheerful, even, when lightning teases him and strikes him with a bolt, only to gobble it and belch smoke. Giggly upon encountering a whopper of a dragon, knocking it unconscious. And smiley when hopping on a donkey's back after saying that magic phrase. And... After a few more challenges, Shrek finally weds his bride, an equally grotesque-looking creature decked in a geometric pattern muumuu that, again, I would pay a lot of American dollars for. On the surface, it sounds like a cutesy book with glorious illustrations, but in reality, there is so much more at play. The author, William Steig, is the child of two Polish-Jewish immigrants who came to America from Austria. Born 1907 in Brooklyn, New York, Steig would go on to become an illustrator at The New Yorker and later create his own inventive and delightful books, like this one. As for that name, Shrek, it's Yiddish, the old world language most notably used by some European Jews, meaning fear or terror. Now, I could expand upon these details and make my own chart like everyone's favorite meme of Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but why have me tell you it when I could have an actual expert in the matter opine? Enter Ariel Kaplan, the author of the most definitive investigatory work into if Shrek can be prescribed a religion or not. Ariel writes about adult-related topics, mostly, but also about modern Judaism. And before you think this is going to get boring or educational, it's not. She is the dopest. Ariel wrote a piece for Alma, investigating the ties between Steig's source material and Jewishness in the final film projects, which perfectly explores every facet of this conversation. From Shrek's swamp having ties to old-world Jewish settlements to a small detail not making the final film that provides somewhat of an airtight theory that, yes, Shrek would hypothetically celebrate Hanukkah, here's Ariel to explain her good work and research herself. Thank you so much for coming on here. I'm so excited to talk to the Shrek expert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited someone wants to talk to me about this. (laughs) Very badly. What drove you to be like, I'm going to write the definitive piece on if Shrek is or is not Jewish? Because you have a lot of research in there. Before the pandemic, I saw some cartoon of William Stive's Shrek, of the book that he wrote. 
while I was just like looking for random stuff on Tumblr. And I was like, oh my God, uh, Shrek is Jewish. And I pitched it to my editor, but then we had all of these holidays coming up. And then there was a pandemic. I got really busy. And then somebody tweeted something funny about arguing with their mom about Shrek being Jewish. We posted that on Alma, it did really well. So I was like to my editor, please let me write this now. Like we know people are hungry for this content. And then I just spent a few days immersed in the world of William Steig and DreamWorks Shrek. I just want to bounce back to one thing, to what you said about the entire story being an allegory for Jews being in exile. Can you just talk a bit more about that for an audience who may not be familiar with all of that? Sure. So way back when, I don't remember exactly when, 1600s maybe, in Eastern Europe, there was an area called the Pale of Settlement. And that is where Jews were allowed to live. They were all just kind of pushed there. When you hear about pogroms and stuff, that's when like people from the outside outside of the Pale of Settlement would come storming into like a Jewish town and kind of pillage and plunder. But that happened way less than people really thought. So when we watch Shrek, him living in this swamp area is very reminiscent or like it's like a fantastical shtetl. So the the shtetl is the neighborhood in in the uh, Pale of Settlement that I'm talking about. He lives away from all of the kingdoms because everyone's scared of him and he doesn't want to be bothered by them. And then later on when we see all these other creatures being kicked out or like the kingdom's soldiers coming to round everyone up, that just really reminds me of the pogroms that were going on. So the only difference here, I guess, is like Shrek willingly lives away from everyone. But I think that's because he hates that everyone is so scared of him. Or no, I mean, he likes that. He wants to be alone. It's a little confusing there. I think I just got to come out with it and ask you, is Shrek Jewish? Shrek is Jewish, according to me. <laughs> Shrek's creator is Jewish, and Shrek is an allegory for like the Eastern European Jew in Eastern Europe <laughs> that lived in the Pale of Settlement. So Shrek in like the story in the book and then also the movie is not, he doesn't practice Judaism. But I think it's really about his values and his soul, his neshama. Just like with all Jews, some Jews might be like, no, I'm not really Jewish. Just my mom is or whatever. Just because you weren't raised Jewish doesn't mean that you're not. And so therefore, yes, Shrek is Jewish because his dad is. I think this is brilliant. I read your story multiple times and I was like, I don't know if I trust the Jew or not Jew website to be the definitive (laughs) voice. So I'm very glad you could speak on it. Uh, I do want to discuss specifically Shrek 2 because I did not know that the dude who co-wrote the Rugrats Hanukkah special was involved with that film. And to me, if you add the layer of like, you got Rugrats Hanukkah in here, you have a, like a Jewish source author and you have a Yiddish name. Like, does this, like Shrek 2 definitively is a Jewish movie. Yeah, I was so shocked to find that out. And that guy, the one who wrote Hanukkah, he, so he was born Jewish and then became like a priest or something, like converted to Catholicism. And then now I don't know if he's like Orthodox or just conservative or something. So he did all this flipping and he wanted to insert all these Jewish values in the movie. And I was like, wait, now I want to write a whole story about this guy. But yeah, he said in the writer's room, he was talking about things that his rabbi 
told him about love. So when they were constructing the story with Fiona and Shrek and like, will they be humans or not humans? And then the final message of it, no spoilers here, guys, for Shrek 2. <laughs> it's just that, like, what, what's important to you is important to me in a relationship. And I think Judaism is all about, like, caring for your community. So that totally makes sense. But back to the first movie, I forgot. There was a scene, William Steig, when he was, like, 90 or something, wanted to give Shrek a Jewish mom. And the writer's room cut it out. So if that was in there, it would have been, like, no question. Given that we have... No, we have no characters to embrace around holiday time. Like everyone else, they have Santa, they have reindeers, they have the Grinch, they have all this stuff. Do you think it's appropriate to make Shrek our one great Hanukkah leader? I think that's a great idea. Shrek for Hanukkah. He's got the earwax for menorahs and he can be like, although maybe he would then rival with the Grinch who's also green and that could be kind of awkward. I'm really, I'm really clinging on to something. (laughs) And we I'm can trying make that happen. Yeah, because Shrek thing. is in the parks, so I'm trying to make it happen. Okay. I think that this Shrek series will really push it over the edge. Is there anything Shrek does to you that feels distinctly not Jewish? Hmm. Not Jewish. Oh, he's so Jewish, I can't think of anything. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, he's really wary of anyone because he's got all this <laughs> trauma, which like, you know, Jews, we got the generational trauma. Because the one thing I might say is like his, he's kind of rude sometimes, but then he has reason to be. So I, yeah, I can't really think of something. But his Scottish voice would be the, the biggest thing, really. Yes, I was a bit hung up on his children's names. Because, what were their names? Uh, Farkle, Fergus, and Felicia. Okay, yeah. That was but he did, he did marry outside of what we think is his probable religion. Yes, so he's actually like a very millennial Jew. Yes. <laughs> Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. 
To get started, head to FrameBridge.com because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. interview with Ariel, a point of discussion came up with David N. Weiss, one of the credited writers of Shrek 2. I'm unable to fully verify his religious background at the time of publishing this, but it appears that, yes, he was born Jewish, converted, and then converted again, and I believe is currently Jewish. I will dive into that more for next week, but in the meantime, we're going to focus on the bigger picture. The reason we all are here. Now, I did not know about this Shrek is Jewish situation until recently, and clearly, I'm flabbergasted by it. If you recall, in our interview, Arielle said she took an interest in Shrek's potential Jewishness because of a tweet she saw about someone who had an argument on the phone with their mom about whether or not Shrek is indeed Jewish. That tweet from this past August went somewhat viral with over 140,000 likes. So, because I'm a journalist in a year as weird as this one, I had to go directly to the source, writer-director Ben Meckler, who sent it in the first place. Now, if that name sounds vaguely familiar, Ben Meckler is somewhat known for being a bit of an internet bad boy, causing absolute comedy and chaos on Twitter. He regularly writes film reviews with one obtuse, bizarre detail plopped right in the middle as a gag to see if websites repost it while rounding up Twitter reviews of new movies. And do they ever. A personal favorite is his Mulan review, which praises the soundtrack, action sequences, and the lead character devouring a million-mile-long sandwich, and the one he did about Captain Marvel, where part of the film is just an episode of Friends, is artwork. (laughs) Both were, of course, picked up wide by multiple news outlets. It's a bit that just won't quit. But while his regular Twitter antics are a delight to all, this tweet about a debate with his mom over Shrek's ties to Judaism? It's 100% real. And like a VR headset or a commercial for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I cannot wait to immerse you inside of it. Because I, a reporter, had to reach out to patient zero of Shrek's purported Judaism, Sally Meckler, Ben's mom. Because... Of course, this story leads directly back to a Jewish mother living in Florida with very strong convictions about a character we now claim as our own. So she, myself, and Ben got on the phone to rehash the conversation that started it all and to finally attempt to solve if, in fact, Shrek does know how to play dreidel. Had to take the story back to the source. I got to do the of full course. reporting. Yeah, that's just good reporting. I, that's, I only do good <laughs> reporting. It doesn't matter if, it's, if Shrek is Jewish or not. I always go the extra mile. <laughs> sure. To prove whether or not he's Jewish. I'm leaning on one side more than the other, so. Mm. My mom's going to come in a strong opinion. She's been doing <laughs> research for like four days. <laughs> I love this. As if this podcast did not have enough Jewish mom energy. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to yeah. kick it up a notch. Oh, truly, truly will. Hi, Ben, darling. I love you. Love you too. Long story short, I am reporting on if Shrek is Jewish or not. 
And I spoke to another writer who wrote a whole story about it. And when she talked to me, she said that she wrote it because of a tweet that Ben sent about oh. you. Hey, Ben, I made it. You, you made, made it. it. <laughs> so, cause he, so Ben posted that he got in a, a bit of a phone conversation, perhaps along the lines of an argument, if Shrek was Jewish or not, and you had some passionate thoughts, and I'm ready to absorb all of them. I don't know what brought it up, Ben. Do you remember why? why? You brought it up. You just, in the middle of a conversation about something else, you were like, Shrek is Jewish. No, we we're talking about I something. Know. I said, well, Shrek is Jewish. And you said, what? And I said, Shrek is Jewish. And you were like, really? What, what, where'd you get that from? And I'm like, well, his name, you know? And then we, that right. was the beginning of our discussion. And <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so I don't do know you if you're remembering that exactly right. Because I think the name came up later. That was, your, that was you trying to prove to me that he was Jewish. But initially you just kept saying he's Jewish. And when I asked for evidence, you were like, he's Jewish. You've sent me many, many articles evidence trying to prove that he's Jewish. I did. I was looking, I, was, I wished I printed one of them. The one, well, I'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Well, I, I mean, just to get it started, I would love to know why <laughs> you are so deeply in the camp of Shrek being Jewish. Oh, I'm just like, I just take it for granted. It's, isn't that strange? I just, I didn't realize that I was bringing up a subject that was so controversial. It was just a statement. It was just like something I was saying like that. I just, have taken for granted. But Carly, yes. what do you think I'd like to know before we even begin to discuss it? Well, I was not aware that people thought Shrek was Jewish. And I actually, I don't remember how this came across my desk, so to speak, but the first yeah. article I read on it was the article that happened because of Ben's tweet. So <laughs> I, I'm convinced, I mean, you know, we, the whole reason I'm doing this is because around this season, November, December, we have no one to root for. We have no mall Santa, like Harry Hanukkah. That's not a thing. Like you can't give dreidels legs and arms and pretend like it's a character. So I really want to, I want to celebrate Shrek as kind of our Hanukkah hero. My understanding was when you called me on the phone, you were specifically talking about Shrek, the character from the movie Shrek. To my knowledge, did you had you read the Shrek book before you began this campaign to prove his Judaism? I've read it. I've read it in the past. That's what I'm saying. I believe our conversation initially was about the, the motion picture character Shrek. I'm sure it, it was Shrek by talking Shrek. about DreamWorks. Yeah. Shrek mm -hmm. is Shrek. Shrek is Shrek. So just Shrek generally looking at the global Shrek concept. Mm -hmm. I totally agree that the the book in the book. Shrek is intended to be somewhat of a Jewish analog. I think he, it's hard to deny because the author was Jewish. He's the son of Jewish immigrants. Um, and the, the othering, especially in an Eastern European setting, was very much part of that story. I find it hard to deny that book Shrek is Jewish. I think things get more complicated when you bring it over to the, to the movies, which is interesting because you got a Jewish producer, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who is behind the production of the movie Shrek. And a Jewish and writer with Eastern European parents from Poland. So is he's writing this character Shrek, sure, he may can't. have been thinking of the shtetls and the, the woods and the... Sure. Oh, superstition, the witch. I felt she was superstitions. Uh, that, that's also very common among Eastern European Jews, they're superstitious. And she was saying something like the passport and, and something like, so the book really gave me that feeling. Of course. 
I think it's totally present in the book. I think in the movie it gets a little more confusing because initially they intended the character to be based on Chris Farley, not I know Jewish. That. He not was Jewish at all. It. Oh, I would have loved him so. He would have been great. I think Mike Myers also did a fantastic job, but Fabulous. as we all know, as we all know, he played the characters very much uh, Scottish. Scottish, I know. He brought that element, and of course, there are Scottish Jews, so that does not absolutely make him not Jewish. But absolutely. it does seem like a series of choices that departed somewhat from the more explicit Judaism present in Trek the character, and then. I'll also say that, generally speaking, in the land of far, far away, as we see it in Shrek, it's hard to say, does Judaism exist as a religion? Just, just generally, it's a fantasy world. There are dragons and monsters and magic, which, of course, call into question, does religion exist at all and in what form? Because it's very different than the world we live in. Yet, at the same time, they make many modern references that imply at least a connection to our modern world. So, hard to say. The last thing, there was one last thing I wanted to say. Oh, I did read, I didn't see the musical. And Ben, wouldn't that be a perfect thing for you and I to do now, one day? To what? To see the musical Shrek. Have you seen it? To go it's, together? To oh see my it? God, I saw, I, I did see it. I've seen it's it. It's like, on Netflix. children. I mean, you know, yeah. like. It's great. I didn't see professional theater. You saw a children's theater perform Shrek. Yeah, before. Julie, your sister was in it. Oh, okay. And you're saying it would be a wonderful thing for us to go together to see it in a theater? To, see, you yeah, to see the musical together. Yeah, that'd that. be great. That'd be great. Yeah, just something, you know, remind us yeah. of this moment and it'll be you know, fun. When, but, when all this is over, we can, we'll go, we'll, we'll go get some tickets to go see Shrek, the musical. Absolutely. Well, I have a question yeah. for Ben. So yes. considering your professional expertise, if the source material is Jewish, which I think we've all agreed on, you professionally are in the industry, you know things. Mm -hmm. If the source material is Jewish, wouldn't that automatically make the film Jewish? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll commit to that. Sure. I mean, I'm convinced. Trek Why? Is yeah. Oh, I didn't. I Ben, I thought you were a contrarian. I did not know that you were in the Shrek is Jewish camp. No, I cannot I, tell I, you I how happy a long time I am. Ago, it's, it's better not to argue with my mom. You kind of just have to get on. The <laughs> oh, and I'm so thrilled! I'm like, this never happened. This moment. <laughs> so I've convinced yeah. you. I won't. I won't give you fortune tellers are real, but I'll give you Shrek is Jewish. Do Wonderful. I even want to ask? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> She'd love for you to ask. Yeah, that's something we will continue to disagree on. Mm. Yes. But Shrek, Shrek being Jewish, we, we can agree on that. I think we've proven, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that Shrek is Jewish. Somewhat based in facts, somewhat based in experience, somewhat based in a Jewish sixth sense that doesn't exist that I'm making up right now to make it true, and somewhat because I want it to be. So, as we proceed through the month championing our Hanukkah hero Shrek, I want you to remember what it took for us to get to this place, to just have one character to love in the month of December. Stick around, there will be more like this all month long. I know, it's a lot, but you know what? I've gone a lot of years without Christmas, so we're doing this. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening and stick around for calls or, as we can now refer to, a taste of normalcy within this green bog of chaos.
Hi, Carly. Um, just concerning you talking about costumes week. I used to work at the costume or the retail location for Adventureland, and we actually wear the same bottoms as the Indiana Jones cast members, and those are actually pants. They are called culottes with like a K. They're these crazy gaucho pants that give you a horrible wedgie, and they're terrible, but they look really cute, and they're very swishy. Um, but I have to say I'm pretty biased, but I think the best costume is the fairy godmother in training costume at the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. It's so cute and so colorful. And our brooch that we wear on our chest actually has emblems of all the princesses around it. And it's really, really cute. Thanks so much. I love the podcast. Bye. Oh my gosh, it's pants. It's pants. We had something similar when I was in orchestra, but they were called palazzo pants, which was always pronounced palazzo pants. They're just like basically as close to a skirt as pants can possibly be. And I remember we had to roll them up like eight or ten times to hike them all the way up because they came one size and one length. So we would just like sweep up all of the dust on the stage. It was so silly looking. I, I Not to get too into it, but when I was in high school, I played upright base. So you would just see the whole skirt pant leg situation in all its glory whenever I was on stage. So I have extreme solidarity with these costumes. And frankly, now I wish I had a pair because they're the ideal quarantine bottom. Just a big old baggy pant that you can get comfy in that sometimes looks like a skirt. Incredible. Thank you so much for this call. Hi, this is Benjamin from Tennessee. I've been listening to your podcast with my mom, and what creeps me out is that the, it's a small world ride, because the animatronics look really creepy. Bye. Thank you. Hi! So, you know, you're not wrong. You may be young, but you are very wise because I completely see where you're coming from. Those tiny dolls dancing and singing and blinking kind of in unison, but kind of not, it can be a lot when you're on that boat and you are in that ride for a long, long time. I felt the same way about the attraction when I was younger, but as I got older, I started to appreciate It's a Small World for its history and its fantastical design. The ride began as a partnership with UNICEF, which works to help hungry and sick children worldwide, which is very cool. And the woman who created it, Mary Blair, she was very before her time, and we love her. But still, you're right, it does not overcome the fact that, yeah, it's a little creepy on It's a Small World, but the next time you're on it, maybe just imagine that you're the little doll on the ride, and they're the ones watching your boat pass as the ride. Okay, I meant for that to make them sound less creepy, but I think that actually did the opposite and would be somewhat terrifying. So maybe just don't do that. Just don't, just don't stare them in the eye. How about that? Thank you so much for calling. I loved hearing from you, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Hey, Carly. Evan in Nashville. just want to say thanks so much for doing the drone episode. Uh, I was really excited about that. As someone who's worked in live entertainment for over a decade, while I was watching the Biden acceptance and the drones went up, and to see the delight in his eyes, I was like, I have to know who did this. This is fantastic. Probably one of the coolest drone 
uh, expositions as far as like to the general public we had seen so far. Uh, my question back to you is, where would you like to see this applied in theme parks? I know we have a few versions of it so far, Harry Potter, et cetera, but where do you see it going and where would you like to see it? Um, as a person who works in live entertainment, thank you so much for covering this. It was super cool. It made me miss it a lot uh, as far as having work and, uh, you know, getting back to things like that, but excited to see the future of it. So, again, uh, what would you like to see go on with drones in the theme parks? Thanks so much. Stoked to hear the next one. Bye. Hi, Evan! Thank you so much for appreciating the drone episode. When I put it out, I knew it was a little left of center for this podcast, but it's just so relevant and on the precipice of being in theme park canon, so I went for it. And hey, it's not every day you have a reason to talk to someone like Nils, so I was thrilled about it, and I'm glad you were too. As for where I'd like to see drones applied in theme parks, I think Epcot is a home run. Since theme parks are traditionally densely populated, there is a safety advantage to having drone shows over water and not over guest heads. And I'd love to see them be used in some form within Harmonious, the forthcoming nighttime show at Epcot. And I'm not even talking about a liked show like the one we saw with Biden. I'm just talking just any of the tech being used within the evening show. Animal Kingdom is also a perfect fit, but that being said, I think either Universal Orlando Resort theme park, especially Islands of Adventure, is perfectly set up to stage something in the center, above water, as their first major go at nightly drone entertainment. As for a drone light show similar to what we saw with Biden, I think incorporating them into nighttime fireworks is just inevitable. Fireworks are really expensive and drones are the future, so it just makes sense financially to me to eventually switch over to more of that, but I would especially love to see it at Disneyland. I think incorporating an aerial display like the one we saw at Biden's acceptance speech from the vantage point of Rivers of America to be watched right after Fantasmic, like what happens a lot with fireworks is that you just shift your body over and wait for them to happen. That would be the perfect night. Thank you so much for calling and asking this question. And thank you for all that you do to entertain people. Hi, Carly. This is Emily. I was just listening to the episode where you um, answered the question about the Contemporary Resort Lobby scent, but I had a question, or maybe just, I guess it is a question, about the other scent at the Contemporary Resort um, that is on the fourth floor atrium with the uh, Chef Mickey's and all the shops and everything. I um, have loved that scent my whole life, and I don't know if it's, it's, I would describe it more of a, industrial scent, I guess you could say. I don't know if anybody else relates to this. Every time I go and I try to tell somebody, like, the scent that, like, it has, nobody knows what I'm talking about, and nobody can smell it. And it's definitely not, like, something like that green clover and aloe that's, like, pumped into there. It's just I don't know what it is. But I'm just wondering if anybody else can relate to this or knows what I'm talking about. Thanks. Love the podcast. Bye. So I looked into it, and I think what you're smelling is Disney history? I think it's just a mix of monorail machinery and waffles and, like, old steel. <laughs> you know how E.T. just always smells like musky old water? Not E.T. himself, the, the ride in Universal Studios Florida. I think it's one of those natural in the wild scents that sadly no one sells scented beads of. But yes, I feel 
fully relate. It's not as strong as the smell when you board the monorail, but it's definitely kind of a lukewarm offshoot of it. So I totally see where you're coming from, but sadly, this exact scent remains a mystery forever. Even if I do know what you're talking about, I hear you and I see you. And I thank you for bringing this up because I haven't thought about monorail smell in a while. And man, oh man, do I miss it. another season of the Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find the Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. show thank you all so much for listening and thank you to arielle kaplan and ben meckler and ben meckler's mom for coming on the show you can find arielle all over the internet she writes a lot about adult relationships if our all ages audience catches my drift and has a new podcast dropping soon she also hosts a weekly tourist series on alma called and god was like and you can find all of her links in the show notes Catch Ben and his ridiculous movie review joke tweets on Twitter at Ben Meckler. Or watch his show, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, on Netflix, starring Karen Fukuhara, who is also on The Boys, which I love. Thank you to everyone who called into 747 Churros this week and every week, who told a friend about the podcast, who tagged a Disney-loving coworker of theirs on Instagram or Twitter, who rated very amusing five stars on Apple Podcasts, who subscribed so they get the podcast the moment it comes out, and who took the time to review Very Amusing. Special shout-outs to Beast Sloths, TMPJ19, Jolly Holidays, love that, and Tracy, who said we're like... Our our podcast listener relationship is like we're best friends and you talk to your empty car as though it was me. And that is the goal. Thank you. Also, while reading the reviews, I came across one where I got dinged for being too political on the day last week's podcast came out. So uh, I'm guessing it's from someone who definitely skipped the Biden drones episode because we only talk about drones. The drones didn't run for office. I mean, they're already the king of the sky. Yes, I'm imposing a monarchy among nighttime entertainment. And I'm sorry, fireworks, but drones have the hot seat now. Too bad. Follow me on social media at Carly Wiesel on Instagram, Twitter, and find my Facebook group on Facebook that same way. And I also want to thank new patrons, Kayla, Laura, Sarah, Elizabeth, Jackie, Chesney, Chris, and Nikki. Welcome to the party. If you're new, Patreon is five bucks a month or around 51 bucks for the whole year. There's some annual discount, baby. And you'll also get four to six bonus podcast episodes a month, weekly churro Q&A posts. And if you join right now, You'll be able to get our monthly zine for November, which just dropped 
earlier this week. It's a really good time, and while this podcast will soon be going on seasonal hiatus, the Patreon will be coming to you each and every month without stopping. So if you want a little bit more, and if you're like, oh no, (laughs) what am I going to do without voicemails in January? Come hang out there. We're happy to have you. Very Amusing is edited tastefully by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hi, honey, it's mom. All right, I have to tell you, I know that it was hyped up for this week, but this week was so good. I cannot believe you located and found that drone guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I'll have to call him the drone guy that he did the Biden Lights Tech Show. I can't even believe you did that. I've never even heard of drone shows before. This was crazy good. You are amazing. I'm very impressed. And I don't even know how in the world that you found this drone guy. Oh, my God. But it's kind of like when I try to find you, like the custodial shirt that I'm going to be looking for when I'm done with this. It's kind of like that. But you actually found this guy first out of anybody in the world. I'm so impressed. I can't believe it. Very proud of you again this week. I just want to tell you that I love you. And I also, I know this isn't Disney, but it's kind of related. But I want to thank all the Disney friends and families that made my birthday so special this week. They all sent me these beautiful texts and sweet messages. And I love you guys, too. Before I tear up, I just want to say thank you so, so much. I love you guys. Talk to you soon. Not real soon. That's yours. Talk to you soon. Bye.